uh, I wanted to just, you know, I was listening to Pastor Benjamin just now, or no, it was Pastor Sonny talking about, hey, because of this weekend, some things are going to be possible that just weren't before. Over the years, one of the things that I have been uh, jealous for, for Living Hope, is, you know, it's something very practical, something very just, it, it seems like such a, 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 just a practical thing, but it's the place of worship. Yeah. And you know, over the years, God has given me a, a particular kind of a, a grace on my life yeah. to see to it that the house of God would be established, including the place. Yeah. And I know that we all understand, if we've read the New Testament, we understand we are the temple of God. Yeah. We get that. And nevertheless, God cares about what happens with his people, where we're going to meet to, uh, you know, Billy Sue, Joe, Joe, Bob, whatever her name is, you know. What happened to her is that she got involved in the community. She was thirsty and parched and needed a drink from the fountain and came to it and found refreshing. But the refreshing was quickly followed up with a, a, a ridiculous set of hasas and shouldas and betters. And she couldn't handle it anymore. So she just kind of quietly disappeared. But she's never going to tell you that. She got worn out. We need to be able to recognize this tendency and stop it in its tracks. And because Jesus kind of answers this guy and says, I see, I see what you want to do. You want to create this burden and figure out how to do the burden just right. But my burden is not that. My burden if you really want to go there with me, my burden, the only burden I want for anyone is the burden of love. And that's what he said. He said, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Yeah. And, and what he's doing in this moment, I mean, some of us may have been you know, around the, the scriptures long enough to have been acquainted with the terminology of the Shema. Everyone say the Shema. Shema. The Shema is the ancient Hebrew idea that, that there is... There is one calling at the heart of it all that God has for his people. The, the Shema, these words that Jesus is, is repeating, they, they are originated in the Old Testament, in the prophets, in the Torah. And it's this calling that is central to a real life with God. Love the Lord your God, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. That's what we're fundamentally and at the core called to. That's the burden. And whenever we are encountering a weight that's exhausting us and wearing us out and, 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 and it feels like it's a drudgery, that burden just simply may not be the Lord's burden. And I think it's important for us to be able to set one another free from carrying burdens that weren't His. His, his burden is the burden of love. It's what He's called us to. And so here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, I'm able to most fully love when I'm most fully rested. And when I'm not fully rested, I really can't fully love. But Jesus said, yeah, but, but actually love is the main thing. That's what I want more than anything else to be flowing into and through your life. So find out how to get fully rested so that you can fully love. And you know what's interesting is, is Jesus, in repeating the Shema, this ancient Hebrew construct for a, a, the heart of a life of faith, saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength is identifying these four key facets of a human existence that have to be tended to yeah. so that we can actually love well. And I see in these words of Jesus, the, the four core aspects of a human existence that I've got to tend to as it comes to rest and my need for it. And, and so I want us to break this down together today in light of that. And I want us to determine that our goal will be to fully love. And if that's our goal, then our need is to be fully rested. If I'm going to love with my heart and love with my soul and love with my mind and love with my strength, I need to rest in my heart. I need to rest in my soul. I need rest for my mind. I need rest in the physical aspect of who I am, my strength, my body. And so I want to dive into this together and understand it. You know, I read an article that talked about this, uh, this drastic change that's happened in our society over the last 50, 60 years. And, and it said that the average one of us is working two and a half hours more uh, per week than 
our great-grandparents were in 1960. And it seems like it's not a big deal, or sorry, two and a half hours more per, per day. And that we're sleeping two hours less per day. Th that's actually a pretty major shift in, in what it means to have the human experience in a short amount of time. We've changed the, the circadian rhythm in, in an incredible way that's actually damaging. I read that the average worker has 36 hours of work piled up on her desk that she's just waiting to even get to after already working 60 hours each week. I've read that the average work week is 19% longer and that our kids, if we had kids, have 36 more, 36% more of their time going into all kinds of activities that send the moms and the dads, some of us know all about it, in 36 different directions all week long. And so the, the net effect of all of this is that we're worn out. Yeah. A lot of us. I mean, the truth is, I mean, we, we don't want to say that because we feel like we're not supposed to say those things because it seems like that's not a faithful way to talk, but we feel worn out. <laughs> and there's some legitimacy to it empirically. It's like from a study of the change of the yeah. rhythms of life. And, and these facts, we got to have them in our minds. We have to address them. What we're really dealing with is that we're living in a way that's contrary to what we know Jesus has invited us into. Because this is what Jesus said. In, in the midst of this life of overload, Jesus is the one who says these words. And you can't have a retreat where the theme is rest without Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. And it says... I mean, this is Jesus, and these are his words to you right now. Right now, come to me. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. I, wanna, I want you to read this out loud with me, ready from the screen because you might not have the same translation memorized. I like the NLT. Anyway, say it with me. Go. And then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Remember when you were a kid in school and you were first learning how to write and your teacher would pass out these sheets of paper that had a pink line down the side over here and a blue line down the side over here and, and would make sure that you would learn to write starting at that pink line and stopping that other blue line over there and you ended up with an inch of paper on both sides that just stayed blank if you did it right. Remember that? And the idea was... Look, if you just start writing all across from one edge to the other, the paper is going to look crazy and ramshackle. It's going to be overfull. The teacher was teaching you the principle of margin. The teacher was making sure that even when it comes to writing, that you understood that there's a visual aspect to this thing that matters, and it is important that there would be margin at the edge of the page. And what's happening is in a lot of our lives, we're starting at one edge of the paper in our life and they're going straight across to the other edge. And oh, yeah, it's artistic, <laughs> but it's crazy. Yeah. And it's leaving us worn out. Yeah. And, and, it, and it looks like a mess because it is. You know, there's a, a book by a guy named Richard Swenson uh, by the title Margin. And he's highlighting this, this problem of what it looks like when we live this marginless life that isn't really a reflection of God's design. It certainly doesn't you know, show us living out the words of Jesus, but I'll just read a quote from that book to you. He, he's writing about uh, margin, and he said this. He said, marginless is being 30 minutes late to the doctor's office because you're 20 minutes late getting out of the bank because you're 10 minutes late getting the kids to school because the car ran out of gas two blocks from the gas station and you forgot your wallet at home. He said, margin, on the other hand, is having breath left at the top of the staircase, money left at the end of the month, sanity at the end of adolescence, marginless is the baby crying and the phone ringing at the same time, margin is grandma taking the baby for the afternoon, marginless is being asked to carry 
a load five pounds heavier than the one that you could even lift. Marjan is having a friend carry half that burden. Marginless is not having enough time to finish the book that you're reading on stress management. Margin is having time to read it twice. Marginless is fatigue. Margin is energy. Marginless is red ink. Margin is black ink. Marginless is hurry. Margin is calm. Marginless is anxiety. Margin is security. Marginless is our culture. And margin is counterculture. Marginless is the disease of the new millennium. And margin is the cure. The reality that, that I see is that God has always wanted for you and me to live with margin. And so part, part of what he does for us is he gives us an, an ability to understand our power in the word no. And your power is always in your yes and in your no. And, and we are created in the image of God. And God starts at the very most rudimentary level, the basic level, with what we call the Ten Commandments. And it's ten, no, yup. And it's God saying, this is how to be powerful, is to have a clear sense of what is a yes and what is a no. And to go after your life that way and to not feel bad about it. For some of us, the reason why the, the reason why the writing goes from one edge of the paper all the way to the other is because we've lost the power of no. Yeah. And, and we've done so because we thought we were trying to be nice. They yeah. really needed me. Yeah. We thought we were trying to be honorable because, you know, they're one of our pastors and I, I felt like I had to. Yeah. But we need to be careful that even as a church that we create a culture where people can exercise their power of no as much as the power of yes. Yeah. And it's in keeping with what God wants. I mean, part of why this had to be codified in the Ten Commandments is because God knew, yeah, you're going to have a propensity to just ignore this need. You're going to think that you can just keep on going after it. So let me just lay it down right up there with don't kill anybody. <laughs> right? And that's why it's there in the Scriptures. In Exodus 20, it says this. Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember to observe the Sabbath day. Yeah. Keep it holy. You got six days each week for your ordinary work. Yeah. For the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. Yeah. And so what does it mean? You know, I was thinking about this retreat. But thinking, what am I, maybe I can do like a, a deep study on, on the word Sabbath and talk all about the rabbinical traditions about what is and isn't Sabbath. And, and I was going to tell you about this friend I had in college who one day I was living in a dorm room and, and he came over to my dorm room and um, he was standing there by the door and he didn't knock, but he kept on saying, John, John, John. And it was weird because usually people knock, you know, but uh, I opened the door. I'm like, Adam, what's going on? He's like, uh, I need your help. I'm like, okay, sure. He's like, can you come to my room? And I, I went down the hall with him, and I went to his room. And he's like, can, can, you, uh, can you turn on the lights for me? And I was like, okay, turn on the lights. And I'm like, so what do you need? He's like, oh, that was it. I was like, wait, wait, what do you, what do you mean? He's like, I just need you to turn on the lights. I was angry. I was like, well, you can march me all the way down here, got me up early in the morning to turn on your lights for you? And he said, yeah, really, I did. I mean, he's like, this is the Sabbath, and... You know, turning on the light switch is work, and we don't do that on the Sabbath day. He was a good Jewish boy, you know? And then I was like, is that also why you didn't knock on my door? He's like, mm -hmm. that's work. <laughs> to do this was work. I mean, literally. And so I was thinking about Adam is, you know, he's, he's a Jewish guy wanting to honor the law of God and, and wanting to exercise the no but the no has now become a, a, a prison almost. Yeah. You know, and, I, and so what I didn't want to do is come and, and lay on you this, because sometimes we do that in the church world too. We go, okay, this is what Sabbath is, and you, have to, you can't do this, and you better start Thursday night as soon as the sun goes down, because if you don't, that's not a legitimate Sabbath, and you better not do these things. And, and nah, yeah. no, 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 no. You are mature and responsible and powerful. Sons and daughters of the Lord God. Yeah, yeah. And Jesus made sure to clarify this one. He didn't address every single one of the commandments, but this one he clarified. In Mark chapter 2, verse 27, he, he talked about 
this idea of the Sabbath and said, yeah, listen, I know you've got a sense of stricture about how it has to go down. But you remember Abiathar? Went into the temple and there was the bread of the presence. David just ate it. And Jesus is in a sense saying, look, there, there are ways in which you need to understand there's a, a new agreement between God and man. And the Sabbath is part of it. Jesus said, the Sabbath was not made for man. Or the, man was not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. And I, I hope that could sink into us, that Jesus is passionate about this. You need real Sabbath, real rest. And you're invited into it. You're invited into a place of, of real rest. And you know what uh, sometimes happens for me? Is sometimes... Uh, Ann and I will have had a lot going on, and you know, on that one day we'll just take some time and and chill out and, and watch something on Netflix. Like currently, we're getting into the Flash. I know is is terrible and sinful to mention that kind of a thing at a retreat and a <laughs> preaching moment, but uh, some of us are not as holy as others. Like Ben, Pastor Benjamin was telling me every night I've been reading the Chronicles of Narnia out loud to my family. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I've been watching the Flash. <laughs> Glory, a little less glory, I don't know. <laughs> but here's what I've found. I've found that, like, we'll sit there and we'll watch an episode or five, you know, <laughs> of a show like that. You know how I feel at the end of that? Even more tired, even more worn out. I do not feel refreshed. And I, I think for some of us, we probably need to acknowledge we might have gotten into a rut where we've settled for some things as it comes to this idea of rest, and we do need a reset. Yeah. We, we need to come back to a, an appropriate yeah. understanding of what really needs to happen so that we can really rest, and we need to let the words of Jesus resonate in us. He said, come to me. Yeah. Come to me. And we need to take to heart what he said about the ways that our, our body needs to be able to... to our, 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 we need to rest. Love the Lord with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength. Rest that way too. So here, here's what I want to say. If you want to really rest, the first thing you've got to figure out how to do is to rejuvenate your body. If you're taking notes, that would be like point number one. Rejuvenate your body. You're going you're gonna to love the Lord with all your strength ultimately. And your strength is about the physicality of who you are, your physical body. And you must rejuvenate your body in every way. There's no one else who can do this for you. You are a powerful, responsible son and daughter, and your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and you've got to take care of it. You've got to rejuvenate your body. When the commandment was spoken into the original context, you're dealing with a, a group of people who are uh, they're carpenters, they're farmers, they're shepherds. It's an agrarian society. All of their work was physical. And so for, for the ancient Israelites... To rejuvenate the body would look one way. For you and me, rejuvenating our body looks a different way. We've got to keep in mind the context, but hear the word of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 6.19, it says, Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Say this, I must... Honor God with my body. I must. The, the, the actual context of this is dealing with sexual immorality that was going on in Corinth. I mean, that is the, the center of the context. But the principle applies broadly. Your physical body is a place that the Lord dwells. Your physical body matters to God. We do not believe in some kind of a dualism where we think that all that matters is the eternal spirit. We understand how God has made us and that the physicality of who we are matters to God. And we're the ones charged to take care of it. We're the ones charged to honor God with it. And, and so we do right to take care of our physical body and to rejuvenate it in every way we can. So for example, how is your food intake? If you were to understand that God called you to honor him with your body, some of you are like, my food intake is, I, I'm intaking plenty, and I'm happy about it. No, here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about 
really you know, taking responsibility to take care of this. Yeah. You know, when, when we are younger, it's easy to sort of lose sight and not care. But my wife and I, I mean, we, we've crossed that line into our 40s. And all of a sudden, it's like you eat one cupcake and boop, you know, it's like, <laughs> there it went, you know. And, <laughs> and suddenly, there's a, there's a different emphasis on paying attention to what we're doing. And yeah. so, you know, we do things like, uh, Whole30, you know, where, where for 30 days it's just nothing but, you know, vegetables and protein and fruit and, and no processed stuff, no sugar. And, and the first week is terrible. You're angry at God, at the world, you know, because you need a cookie. But by the third week, you're, you're feeling like this intense refreshment in your physical body. I want to ask some of you to do this and do it before you get set in your ways where it becomes harder. There, there is a, an idea, I think, that is on the heart of God that we would take care of this temple. What are some other things that we can do to rejuvenate our bodies? Maybe we can get into a rhythm of doing some physical exercise. And if I were to ask for a show of hands, I would guess that in this group, because you all look amazing, there's a lot of you who do. You go to the gym every day. You're taking care of it. You recognize this is a temple. And the scripture does say that physical training is of some value. And so you do it. And I want you to keep on going after it. God has created a, a system in your body whereby endorphins begin to flow and allow you to experience an uplift as you engage in physical exercise. So I'm asking you, do you have a membership at the gym? Do you go to that gym? You know, some days I get up and, I, and I'm like, okay, I, I go to the gym and I'm feeling so like, tired, didn't sleep well or something, I sit there in the parking lot and I contemplate, technically I could say I went to the gym you know, <laughs> without even going in there. But we, we got to be people who rejuvenate our bodies, who take responsibility yeah. for it. The spiritual journey that we're on requires it. And, and in the context of the, of the original writings of the Old Testament, everybody was already walking everywhere. But, but we need to maybe choose to engage in a physical rejuvenation. What's your plan for rejuvenating your body? For some of you, I'm telling you right now, one of the most spiritual things you could do is reevaluate your diet and determine to eat a whole lot less crap. Yeah. I'm serious. Like that change alone could be life-giving from God for you. And it's needed. It's needed. For others of us, it's time to get back to prioritizing that racquetball game with those, those guys, those gals. It's, it's time to say, no, it does matter. Three, three or four hours on the golf course is actually me taking care of the temple. I'm going to do it. Somebody should say amen. I mean, I thought maybe somebody would be like, thank you. That's a word from God for me. You know what I, I've been excited about is um, for years, I've been the one in our household. I get up early. And, and I, I get up early, and I go to the gym, I do the workout. But about a month and a half ago, something started happening. I was like, what? The world is ending. I don't know what's happening. But my wife started getting up at 5.30, 5.45 in the morning. And what she's done for now, a month and a half, is... <laughs> no, I'm, I'm shouting you up. It's awesome. She's been meeting with these, these three or four other women, and they've been walking four or five miles every single morning. And... Man, it's, it's, it's an example of someone and a group of ladies just saying, this matters. Yeah. This is the only one I got of these. I got to take care of it while I can. Yeah. And for some of us, we've got to do this. We, we, we are spending time going, I don't know why. I just feel so depressed all the time. It's because you're not getting your body moving. Yeah. You're putting nothing but junk and sugar into it. And you're expecting to feel good? Come on. There's some very physical, physiological aspects to spiritual experience that have to be tended to. It's time for somebody to rejuvenate your body because when my body is rejuvenated, my strength is renewed. I missed whatever funny thing happened over there. but I want you to, I want you to say, I don't know if I had this point on the boat. Say this with me. When my body is rejuvenated, my strength is renewed. Come on, didn't you hear Jesus say, listen, most important thing, Shema! Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Like your body. And so when your body is rejuvenated, your strength is renewed. Your physicality. And God created you a physical being along with a spiritual being. 
And so you've got to take responsibility for it. Yeah. It's a matter of honoring God. Now, Psalm uh, 23, <laughs> we, we hear this at like funerals and stuff, as though it was a word from, from God for the dead. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. <laughs> I love the uh, King James. He says, no, no, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. BB loves that KJV, so. Yeah, he makes me lie down. Why? Because he knows we need it. I mean, recently it's come out, there's been you know, scientific evidence to support this idea that, that, that a certain amount of time each day that we can spend outdoors looking at things that are green in nature, it is empirically proven to improve our psychological well-being. But long before it ever needed to be scientifically proven, the Lord's like, exactly. That's why I make you lie down in green pastures. That's what I do. You know, I remember when I was a college student, went to Rutgers University back in New Jersey. And uh, I, I put myself through college by painting houses and, and, and doing handyman work. And so I remember like so often I would be painting from early in the morning and by the early afternoon, I just needed to take a break. And I, I would always just go and lie down in the grass at the house that I was painting and just lie there and just stare up at the clouds. And, and there was something so just refreshing about that little moment. I remember even being as a kid, I, when, when I played baseball, and when they put me out in, like, left field, I would do the same thing. I would just lie down. I was that kid that would lie down. My baseball career didn't last very long. <laughs> but there's something about lying down in the grass, you know? Yeah, yeah. And just having that childlike simplicity of letting it all go. Yeah. And do you know what? The... The, the, the modern empirical evidence is also uh, beginning to talk about this practice called grounding, where you take your shoes off and you, you walk in the dirt and in the grass with your bare feet because it, it allows there to be an electrical, a bioelectrical grounding between your body and the earth, and, and it alleviates you know, inflammation and, and solves every kind of disease, apparently, or whatever. <laughs> but... There's some truth to this. And, and God said, right, so I make you lie down in green pastures because I want you grounded. Yeah. I want you to be fruitful and effective and powerful and do awesome things, make stuff happen, heal the sick, preach the gospel, raise the dead, yes. But I want you to do it from a rested center. So yeah. I make you lie down in green pastures. And, and part of why God wants to do this for us is because he recognizes our need to recharge emotionally. Yeah. And so that's kind of the second point of this message. You're going to rejuvenate your body. If you would really enter into his rest, you're going to rejuvenate your body and you're going to recharge emotionally. You've got to do it, recharge emotionally. You know, recently there's been a, a lot of study about what's going on in our physiology. And there's this one, I don't know if any of you here are doctors. My apologies if you are, because I might butcher this, but I've been reading up on this thing called the vagus nerve. That's V-A-G-U-S, the vagus nerve. And maybe some of you have already heard of this. This is new to me in the last few weeks, but the vagus nerve is this bundle of, of nerve fibers that extends between your brainstem and your heart and then branches out to all of your central organs. And, and when we use the phrase, you know, I just have a gut feeling about that. It actually is in your vagus nerve that actually goes from your brain to your heart to branching out to all of your, uh, your, your organs. The vagus nerve is this part of you that is, is part of the system responsible for regulating your autonomic nervous system and your parasympathetic nervous system. And this, the vagus nerve, it, it's this thing that you don't actively control at all, but it touches almost every part of who you are. And in particular, the vagus nerve is correlated with your emotional well-being. And what, what psychologists are starting to talk about now is the need for people to take care of the vagus nerve. Because if you don't, your blood pressure can get thrown off, your motility. Come on, somebody. You yeah. wanted to have a regular kind of a life, didn't you? Yeah. Your motility, it, your, the systems in your body can totally get thrown off. But if you would tend to the vagus nerve, you will have an improvement. How do you tend to the vagus nerve? You tend to the vagus nerve in some very simple ways. The vagus nerve is activated and rejuvenated by positive social interaction. 
the vagus nerve is stimulated and, and, and positively affected by taking some time to sing. <laughs> Don't you think it's amazing that our God, throughout His Word, I mean, more than He commands anything else, He commands, sing! Sing! Because I know how I made you. you got a vagus nerve down there. It needs a song, you know? So, so sing. Yeah, this, this is part of what we're made for. You know, the, the positive social interaction, the, the, the artistic expression, it's all part of recharging emotionally, and we need it. Henry Nouwen said this. He said, the great paradox of our time is that many of us are busy and bored at the same time. You know what part of the reason for that is? Part of the reason for that is that Jesus said, come to me. You'll find rest for your souls. And we hear his words, we go, oh, okay, okay, okay. But this is what I'm going to do instead. This is what I'm going to do instead. From the morning to the night, every spare moment I have. Oh, ha, yeah, ha, ha. And, and it's just this. And, and when I come to this, I, I'm not going to get rest for my soul. Yeah. This is not going to happen. And, and I think that increasingly, our generation and the ones rising up under us yeah. are going to have to deal with that. We're going to have to, there's going to be studies that are going to come out in about five to ten years. It, it's going to blow our minds how much damage has been done. I mean, already the studies are starting to come out about there's a certain kind of a, a wavelength of the light that's emitted from our screens that actually causes us to be depressed. <laughs> this is certifiably, empirically true. And, and yet God has, has called us to love Him with our, with our, our soul. And, and if we're going to love Him with our soul, we've got to recharge emotionally. It's what we need to do. I remember when I was, when I was a kid, I, I'd wake up early in the morning sometimes and and I'd, I'd be in the bathroom, and I'd look out the window, and it would be barely, you know, the sun coming up, but I'd see my dad down there in the, in, like, in the dirt, and he'd be sitting there on the ground. Uh, he, my dad was paralyzed from the waist down, so everything he did, he was sitting. But he would be sitting on the ground, and with a shovel in his hand, he's shoveling, he's digging, he's shoveling, he's digging, and I hear him, like, mumbling or muttering. I don't know what was going on. He wasn't praying. It was something else, uh, because he came to know Jesus later, but... In getting to know my dad later as an adult, I learned about what he was doing right there. I mean, he spent you know, 60 hours a week at a computer screen as an accountant doing formulas and spreadsheets and documents and numbers. Yeah. And so those early mornings of being down in the, in the dirt, just turning that dirt, and planting those tulip bulbs or, or turning over the soil and the compost, that was like the farthest thing from those spreadsheets and numbers. And there was something about that that he just knew that to, to get his spirit, to get his soul right, to get his emotions right, he needed to do that. Yeah. And it was an, an example to me of, of a choice yeah. to say, you know what, yeah, I'm going to end up getting dirty. It's, I'm going to sweat, but I'm going to recharge emotionally. And for him, maybe that wouldn't make sense for anybody else, but for him, that made sense yeah, yeah, yeah. to recharge Emotionally, what can you do to recharge emotionally, to take care of that Vegas nerve? Because what happens in Vegas doesn't stay in Vegas. You, you, can, you can do a lot of things. You could decide to start painting. Maybe you'd say, oh, but I'm not artistic. Yes, you are. You're made in the image of God. Every single night, he paints the most glorious things you could ever see right in the sky. And, and you're made in his image. We're all, we've just chosen to shut that down. But what if we could recharge emotionally by choosing to say, that's part of who I can be to demonstrate the image of God in my life. And you could sit down and play some music. For me personally, one of the best things I can do to recharge emotionally is to just take 15 minutes and sit down at the piano and just play. Just play and sing out a, a, a silly song. Or, or maybe sometimes it's a deep song, but often it's just silly. But I, I'm recharged. You know, maybe you can give yourself some time to write a poem. Just try it. As silly as it might sound, like, why would I do that? To recharge emotionally. <laughs> Just to do something different that allows you to, to reset. Maybe you could plant some flowers or yeah, do some design work. Get away from the screen. I mean, whatever it will be, but recharge emotionally. Because when I'm emotionally recharged, my mind is renewed. When I'm emotionally recharged, my, my mind is renewed. I'm going to love the Lord with all my mind. 
In Psalm 127 says this, says, it's useless for you to work so hard from early morning till late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. God gives rest to his loved ones. Do you believe that? I think that's a promise for some of you to claim. God, I believe you give rest to your loved ones, and I'm one of them. You, you feel so harried inside. You, you, you feel like you're on your last nerve, let alone the vagus nerve. You just feel like you're on your last nerve. You're frayed. You're harried. You need to claim this promise. God, you give rest to your loved ones, and I'm one of them. Say it with me. God, you give rest to your loved ones, and I'm one of them. You claim that promise, and then you activate your own choices to be in alignment with that promise. And you go after the rest uh, that God would have for you. Uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson said this, said, guard well your spare moments. They're like uncut diamonds. Discard them and their value will never be known. Improve them and they will become the brightest gems in a useful life. You know, I've thought about rest over the years and I thought, you know, rest, maybe that just means like just sitting and just doing nothing. Nothing. But I don't, I don't know that that's the case. What I've found in my own life is that uh, it, it seems counterintuitive. But for me, a lot of the work that I do as a, as a pastor, six days a week, I'm, I'm sitting with people and counseling them with issues that's going on. I'm, I'm, I'm talking with people about the ways of God, doing deep level discipleship stuff. I'm, I'm meeting with leaders from our church to strategize about initiatives. And, and, and I'm creating a message that I'm going to preach. And it has so much to do with the word of the world of words and people. And so for me, when I when I want to refresh emotionally, what it sounds counterintuitive, but over the years I've seen this to be true again and again. What I love is having a project to work on. So like when we moved into a new house recently and a room needed a whole new closet to be built. Like I couldn't wait for my day off or to get home from work so I could hammer out that framing and, and, and put in the insulation and, and put in the ductwork for the AC and, and, and it had nothing to do with strategizing for a ministry outreach or putting together a sermon. It was like stuff with my hands and I'm sweating and, and I could sit back when it's done and go, aha, I built that, you know? And it's, it's rejuvenating. Like you, you'd think, well, man, you're, you're already tired. That just sounds like more work. But for me, it's in a totally different category. For me personally, That is refreshing. And again and again, it's about choosing in my spare moments something other than just vegging out in front of Netflix for three hours. Now, don't get me wrong. I I do that too sometimes. But but I find that when I choose to guard my spare moments, like Emerson talked about, I find more refreshing and and more rest. 1 Timothy 4.7 says this, has nothing to do with godless myths, old wives' tales, Rather, train yourselves to be godly, for physical training is of some value. Godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Sometimes people read this verse and, and, and say, see how it says God, you know, physical training is of some value? And, and use that to say, so therefore let's diminish you know, physical training, because it only says some. But I think you could also say it like this, physical training is of some value. You know, the inflection changes it altogether. (laughs) But we've addressed that, haven't we? We've talked about the physical aspect. But I think this verse then directs us to saying, yes, and don't neglect these deeper aspects that that, that godliness has value for all things, present life and the life to come. And so we're going to rejuvenate the body. We're going to refresh the emotions, and we're going to refocus spiritually you got to refocus spiritually. If you really want to enter into real rest, you've got to refocus spiritually. One of the things I know about Living Hope Church is that this is one of the areas that you excel in. Uh, I, I, I could almost skip this section of the message because you probably have it covered. But let me just you know, endeavor anyway to talk about this. The refocus spiritually on Jesus. Refocus spiritually on Jesus. Sometimes we can get ourselves off onto some tears. You know, like a few years ago, PB and I were talking about this in the car. There was this guy, Jonathan Kane or Khan or whatever his name is, wrote a book about called Harbinger and talk about the Shemitah. And, and there, there was this, it was mesmerizing. Like some of us started to read some of that stuff. It was like, oh my gosh, it is going to happen. And this is the date. And I got to, you know, sell all my stuff or whatever. And, 
and we can spiritually get off onto a tear, you know, yeah. onto a tangent that is yeah. a departure. Yeah. And we need to guard ourselves. Yeah. And, and to refocus spiritually is really to, to make sure that our eyes are on Jesus. Yeah. And to refocus spiritually might mean that we're going to deal with some sin that's crept up in our lives. And to be honest about it. Because yeah. you know what? You know what happens? We get in a, in a church circle and we all know the drill. We know how to how to put on the, the act of, oh, I'm full of the Spirit and the glory of God. Yes, I am. Hallelujah. Ah! We know how to do it, right? We do. We, we can all play that game. But if we play that game, and the truth is, we've got sin that we are settling for in our private lives, we're going to be weary until we deal with it. We got to refocus spiritually, and part of that has to do with Releasing the burden of hidden sin and finding freedom. So, for example, in our church, we you know we we have a a lot of a lot of people, and in in a group the size we've got, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be struggling sexually. Yeah. And the question is, what do we do about that? Yeah. Because there has to be a way we can be honest about the secret struggles. And when we value holiness, some of us can feel the pressure to perform, and that means there's no room to admit it when we're missing it. And then we stay trapped with a secret sin that wears us out. So we've got a group in our church, we're using this material uh, by a guy named uh, uh, Ted Roberts, and it's called the Conquer Series, and it's particularly for men who are dealing with pornography, because it's something that affects 67% of men in our country. So there's a high likelihood that in the church, there's going to be a lot of guys in particular, not only guys, it's also women, but that is the struggle. And if we make it taboo all the time, those folks, we're never going to find rest. And and so we've got this whole group and we've got these guys meeting with the Conquer series and then the, the thing after that called the Seven Pillars series. And it's like, no, no, no. We demand that we come together and be honest about this. And when you admit that you've, you've got some struggle going on in this area, what my response is going to be is, glory to God. You said it. Glory to God. I'm proud of you for saying it. You know, Which is contrary to the typical environment in the church where people admit any weakness or any lack of faith or any struggle with sin. We tend to smack down on them. You, you, you better repent of that. And yes, they do need to repent of that. They don't need to be smacked down. We've got to create an environment where we really can refocus spiritually yeah. in the ways that we tend to not want to publicly talk about. Yeah. Can we grow in that, creating a place where there can be real movement forward? And by the way, I, I, mean, I haven't cleared this with PB, but if any of you are, are in that place of that particular kind of struggle, I really would recommend the ministry. It's called Pure Desire Ministry. And they have an amazing uh, you know, set of curriculum for any of us who would deal with that issue to find a path to freedom. Yeah. It's worth going after. Yeah. And, and uh, I won't ask for a show of hands. You're safe. It's good. Don't worry. <laughs> Got to refocus spiritually. Psalm 16, verse 8, it says, I have set the Lord always before me. Yeah. Because he's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad, my tongue rejoices, and my body will rest secure. I have set the Lord always before me. Have I? <laughs> oh, sorry. Say it. I have set the Lord always before me. And for some of us, this is an aspirational statement, isn't it? Meaning, we hope to get there one day. (laughs) But let's keep moving in that direction. Even in the middle of the work you do at that office, and with that team in that hospital, and with this group of negotiators, and this sector, I mean, even there... Can you find the way to have the Lord always before you, even in the midst of it? Because like we talked about yesterday, He's the rock. And when your eyes are on the rock, the rest comes because you know that your strength is mighty and majestic. Is the Lord Himself. I've set the Lord always before me. When I get spiritually refocused, my soul is renewed. When I get spiritually refocused, my soul is renewed. We need that kind of renewal. It's what we're made for. I hope that you would enter into it. Hebrews 12, 1 to 3, it says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, 
scorning its shame, who sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We're going to refocus spiritually, and it's going to change us. You know, this past week, um, I wish I could tell you, hey, because I'm a pastor, I've got a perfect family, and all that ever happens is we sit down in the evenings and stare gleefully into each other's eyes, and then we go to sleep. Sometimes it doesn't work out that way. I do have a 16-year-old, you know. So this past week, we had one of those times where, you know, there's this big blow up, and, and he, he's, he loves the Lord. I love the Lord. And my wife, we love the Lord, but nevertheless, these things happen. And, yeah. and it was one of these blow up moments, and we just couldn't fix it that night. It just couldn't. And the next day, you know, he had to be at school at 5.50 in the morning. We couldn't deal with it in the morning. But that night, and I knew I was going to be gone all weekend, and I said, you know, Toby, come, come sit down. He's like, why? You know? <laughs> and then we had this, you know, long, like, two-hour thing where, you know, he's you know, telling me all about, you know, why whatever happened the other night hurt his heart so much. You know, talking about, you know, because we are, are so, you know, we always take the side of the 10-year-old, which I'm like, duh, because she's 10 and you're 16. <laughs> But I had to hear him, you know, I had to listen to him on that and let him share his heart. And he was angry and he was yelling at me and, and, and I was having to hold back a lot. You know? <laughs> but what the Lord was speaking to me is fight for reconnection, fight for reconnection. I wanted, the dad in me wanted to just smack down verbally, you know, <laughs> about why he was wrong, and why I am right. But the Lord was just saying, you, if you fight for what is right, you will lose him. Yeah. But can you fight for reconnection in this moment? Yeah. And yeah. that looked like, you know, privately going, then Lord, I surrender to you all of the feelings I have right now that I am right because I am. <laughs> and you know, to say it to him, I'm sorry I did that to you, which... The only way I can do that is by recognizing, okay, he has a 16-year-old brain. He does not have a fully formed prefrontal <laughs> cortex, so therefore. <laughs> so, but at the end, you know what was awesome is, because both of us, we felt weary that whole day because there was strife between us. We could just feel it from the time in the morning, dropping him off at school, through to the dinner table, like, uh, there's no rest in that. But in those two hours of kind of, fighting for reconnection, and finally it ends with, all right, because he was sitting over there, so come over here. He comes over, sits in my arm, and puts his you know, head on my chest, and, and I wrap my arm around him, and we both just kind of wept together and prayed for each other, and whew, that, you know, that, that reconnection, that brings rest. It really does. It brings rest. Glory to God. It brings rest. And so, you want to enter into real rest? Yeah, rejuvenate your body. Re refresh your emotions. And uh, refocus spiritually. And reconnect with the people you love. Reconnect with the people you love. But it might be a journey like the one I just described, where instead of fighting to prove how you are right and they are wrong, you take that and you surrender that on the altar. Because... As important as a value as that is, sometimes to establish out of justice that you were right, that is a lesser value than reconnecting. And the reconnection is what will really lead to rest in your life, is to reconnect with the people you love. And sometimes it's difficult, it's a challenge to do that, but it is what matters most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And with me and my son, to be able to say, I, I know we didn't fix everything, I know we there's still some patterns that both of us aren't real happy about, but, but more than anything, we both know we're reconnected. Yeah. And, and, and there's, there's nothing that can, can supplant the value of reconnecting with people yeah. you love. And, and so when it comes to rest, you've got to build it into your rhythm of life. Sometimes it's crisis moments, like the ones I just described, where you choose to fight for reconnection rather than being right. Yes, but also it's just about a rhythm of life where you go, man, my PB is only a phone call away. You know, I got one of my closest friends in this world is a guy I went to college with at Rutgers. His name is Shino John, and uh, he, he's in business now, 
but he's one of those guys that if it's at three in the morning, he, he, he's a guy at three in the morning. I can call him and be like, oh, I'm just so mad. I'm, 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 I'm going to lose it right now. He can handle that. He can listen to me, get it all out, and he can speak words of, of commiseration and, and then exhortation, because we need both, yeah. into my life. And, and that, that, it's vital that we have those. My question to you is, who is your 2 a.m. friends? And if you don't have one, it's time to begin working on some relationships that can be. And the way you, you begin is by being the 2 a.m. friend to somebody else. But reconnect with the people you love. This is what you've got to do if you want to enter into rest. Proverbs 27, verse 9, it says, Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart. I like polo black. I thought that was really funny. One person laughed. Thank you. I need to take PB's comedy class and figure out how to do this right. The pleasantness of one's friend springs from the earnestness of his counselor. You, you got some people like that? It's time to reconnect with them. I know how busy you are. I know that you've got so many meetings to do, but you better make sure that at least one or two of them a week are with those people that love you and that you can love. Your, your spirit needs that. Your soul within you needs that. When I reconnect with the people I love, my heart is renewed. I'm going to love the Lord my God with all my heart. But part of loving the Lord my God with all my heart is being, uh, doing what I can to see that my heart is renewed so that I can love God and love people from that place. Reconnect with people you love. It's going to make a difference. What, what's your plan when it comes to reconnecting with people you love? There, there should be a place in your calendar where there's time to do that. And maybe it is with your, is it CG? GC? CG? <laughs> you know, maybe it's there. But maybe it's even outside of there. Where you just say, no, this matters. We're going to make space for each other in our lives. Jeremiah 6.16 says, this is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroads. Look around. Ask for the old godly way. And walk in it. Travel its path. You'll find rest for your soul. But you reply, boom, have none of it. There's that tendency again. There is an ancient, godly way. And when we decide, no, we wear ourselves out. We, we deprive ourselves of the rest that, that God has for us when we determine to not submit ourselves to the will and the way of God. We deprive ourselves of the rest God has for us. So, so here you are at this retreat, and it is a crossroads kind of moment. It, like in the spiritual realm, it's like you step into the spiritual ether for a minute because everything from work and everything from the hustle and bustle of what has to happen all the time has to all on hold back down the hill. But here you are and you're at this crossroads and, and then look around, look around and ask for the ancient way, the ancient way. Like the one that was eternal, the one that came from the heart of God that wasn't just because of what's popular in the culture around you right now, but that the ancient path. And walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Depart from it, you will wear yourself out, and it will be weary-making. But the Lord is clear to beckon you. Stay on this ancient path. This is where the rest will be. You're invited to, to stay on the ancient path and to find that rest. And for some of us, here's what needs to happen. Isaiah 30, verse 15. This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. And I just I stopped the verse right there because it breaks my heart that what comes next is, again, but you would have none of it. You wouldn't humble yourself to submit. You wouldn't recognize the sinfulness of the process that's going on in your life and your mind right now. But God says, but if you really want rest, it's in repentance that you're going to come to that rest. And so I think maybe what would be appropriate for any of us that desire real rest is to come to terms with some stuff where we've departed from God's will and God's way. And to have a moment of repentance where we, we lay it down and say, Lord, have mercy on me. And, and he sees it already. He's aware of it already. This is not going to be news to him. 
But what will be new between you and him is your moment of humility to finally name it and lay it down. But this will be part of your journey toward real rest, a moment of real repentance. So I think maybe we need to step into, into that moment uh, e even now and uh, hear the words of Jesus. He said, come to me, all of you who are weary, carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle in heart. You will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy to bear. And the burden I give you is light. God, I pray for this, uh, this crossroads moment for every one of us to be able to step into that looking around kind of place where we look around into our own lives, some of the choices we've made, some of the patterns we've settled for. Lord, I pray for an, a, a looking around to happen right now. Yeah. So, so, brother, sister, I'm asking you to wake up in the spirit right now. Be alert. We bow our heads when we pray, but actually I want you to lift your head right now. Break form for a minute. You don't have to look at me per se, but I want you to lift your head. Stay in a place of prayer, but lift your head. Be in looking around mode. Looking around. Look around in your life right now. What are some of the rhythms that you have been engaging in that are wrecking you, that don't lead to the rest of God? Look around in your life right now. Step in the spirit into the place where you can look at what you do in the early mornings, in the middle of the days, and late at night, and, and say, Lord, what's the ancient path? Where is it, God? Now look, 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 look. Look around in your life. You can see it if you will look. You can see it. Like there's this, this way of dealing with people that you've settled for that isn't God's best, and it leaves you worn out. There is a sense of personal responsibility that you have amplified beyond what is reasonable for a daughter of the Most High God. You have felt like if it's going to happen, it's all up to me. And the Lord is saying, ah, but that's not exactly true. Look around. Stand in that crossroads moment right now. Look around. You're about to walk out of fellowship with some people that they're there to, to guard your life and love you. And the ancient path was one where you continued walking with them. Ask the Lord, what, what is the ancient path? I do want the rest for my soul. Look around right in this moment. There's a choice you've been making as a couple and it's not a choice that leads to rejuvenation. And the Lord is speaking to you right now about that. And saying, that is not okay with me. And I, I will, you will not experience the best of my rest when that's the choice you make. Look around. Stand in this moment in the spirit. You're, you're able to walk around every aspect of your life and look at things right now. For others of us, you, you've decided that, that you're just not going to work. And the Lord is looking at that and going, but my ancient path looks different yeah. for you. I, I want you to be productive. I have something for you. Look around right now in the spirit into your own life. Can you do that? Can you just imagine in the spirit as though you were looking at your own life like it was a movie? And, and some of the scenes are beginning to unfold. And you are sitting with the director and different choices can be made. A recalibration can occur. Rest can come. So right now, I would just ask you to say, Heavenly Father, speak to me about the rhythm of rest in my life. Just say it, Heavenly Father, speak to me about the rhythm of rest in my life. How do I need to rejuvenate my body, God? Ask Him, how, how do I need to rejuvenate my body, God? What did He say to you just now?
God, how do I need to refresh my emotions? Ask him that. God, how do I need to refresh my emotions? Ask him. What did he say to you just now? Don't you believe that he speaks? Don't you believe you can hear his voice? God, how do I need to refocus spiritually? Ask him right now. God, how do I need to refocus spiritually? There's particulars for you. It may be some repenting. It may be some backing down from a particular course that you had been set on. God, how do I reconnect? How do I need to reconnect with people I love? And who are some of the ones, God, that are your conduit of, of refreshing love into my life? Ask him right now. Did he show you a face? Ask him, who, who else, Lord? Just ask him, who else, God? Who's he showing you? Following his lead in these four areas will lead to you being fully rested so that you can fully love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. I bless you in Jesus' name to recalibrate in the rest of God. Thank you, Lord.